This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. Today's episode brings you IT modernization in government. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will be discussing the latest issues regarding IT modernization in the federal government. With me on today's show are... Gary Washington, Chief Information Officer, USDA. Max Everett, Chief Information Officer, Department of Energy. Beth Kaloran, Deputy Chief Information Officer, GSA. Rob Dwyer, Partner, KPMG. Bill Lemons, Technical Architect, Fortinet Federal. And Ian Thompson, Vice President, Software AG Government Solutions. Well, I think we all learned, or have learned, and we're evolving here about, you know, making sure as a CIO we, uh, we deliver that promise to the citizen, to the farmer, to the energy sector, name your, name your mission, if you will. And that's always a delicate balance about also making sure that these systems are secure, they're resilient, right? And, and I think we all realize that the, the promise on both of those is you, you have to modernize these environments. And when you modernize them, you, you get, you know, sort of, both these things come together. Well, we, uh, we're lucky today, we're fortunate because we have uh, three agencies that are right at the forefront of modernizing their environment. They happen to be recipients of the, of the TMF uh, funds. And, uh, and they're also using the centers of excellence. And in some cases at GSA, they're not only modernizing, but they're also building a shared service. So we have sort of a, uh, a double whammy there. And, uh, and a lot of our partners that are helping enable and making those things happen. So, Gary, let's start with you in regards to just give us some examples of progress. You were sort of first out of the gate there. You guys have, have gone, uh, gone big, so to speak. I know that you went through phase one. You're into phase two. Tell us what's happening over at USDA. Well, Luke, as you know, we um, are using uh, centers of excellence to, to modernize USDA. And uh, we use the uh, COE framework where we're modernizing in five different areas. Uh, infrastructure, data analytics, customer experience, contact centers, and, and customer experience. So over a year and a half so far, um, we've been fortunate enough to be able to close um, 23 out of the 39 data centers wow. that, that we, said, we, we committed to closing. Um, we've also, uh, what our secretary is really excited about is our data analytics program where we provide administrative dashboards in all our administrative areas and set up an infrastructure to uh, share uh, data so that executives can make informed decisions and look from the same source of data. And this year we're embarking on going into the mission areas and looking at mission area data so that we can look at programs to make sure you see how they can become more efficient and make strategic decisions. Um, we're also uh, aggressively migrating uh, applications to the cloud. Um, we have plans to collapse our networks from 17 to two. Mm. And um, we've, we've taken some, uh, some uh, structural changes in terms of, as you know, we, we had 22 CIOs at USDA. Uh, now we have eight assistant CIOs and there's one CIO at USDA. And, and we're working together with our budget area to make sure we streamline the, um, the IT uh, pro the process for investment. Mm -hmm. and how we manage our IT budget as well. So really hitting it on all sides and that consolidation of the CIOs are one of the, uh, one of the 
few cabinet level uh, agencies that have done that at this point. It seems like it's reasonably successful there, which is awesome. Uh, how about over at Energy, Max? How, how are we doing over there? So we made a couple of different, uh, I think, strides in the last year. Uh, one of them was at the end of last year, uh, we got our first uh, workloads out of our data center and up to the cloud, uh, which is not something we'd done before. We were making some use of software as a service and, and cloud email um, at the headquarters and some other pieces, but for all of our headquarters networks, this was actually the first time we had moved uh, workloads that we had sitting uh, on-prem, you know, in federal data centers, and move them out to the cloud. Mm. So that business was business application. Business application. Right. So mm -hmm. that was really an enormous step for us, and and it's started the momentum to move further into that. Mm -hmm. Again, the goal this year is to move into velocity migration mm -hmm. to really start. Um, and we've done a lot of the work of prioritizing, understanding what are the most important ones, what are the ones that we can most quickly move up to the cloud and get you know, the immediate bang for the buck, the immediate delivery back to our customers. So that's been a huge element. We've also built, uh, we built something out last year that was actually uh, cloud native. So again, instead of going for, you know, Organic rip and replace, but actually building something wow. that was designed and made for the cloud, um, those were stretches for us. That's mm -hmm. not something at the headquarters level that we'd ever done before. Um, and we got help, frankly, even from our national labs. Some of them have actually been very aggressive going to the cloud, and so we've actually gotten feedback and assistance even from from their experience and their lessons learned um, to help us in that process. So that that's probably one of our biggest changes. We also went through these sort of digital transformation work streams. We did about seven of them uh, last year, and we got, again, all the leads were not from my office. So they were from program offices, from labs and other places, and the goal was looking at many of the things you would think, you know, around mobility, mm -hmm. um, around collaboration, around all those pieces. And the goal was just to identify, again, in the distributed environment we have at the Department of Energy, what were some steps we could take forward. And so most of those have now actually rolled into projects that are in various phases. Uh, one of them is moving to, um, to leveraging the broader backbone that we already use for our science mission there at the, at the department. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some still looking at mobility. We've got some that are looking at how do we take the next steps in collaboration in a federated department that's got 17 national labs, you know, an enormous number of field offices spread across 27 states um, that all have very unique missions. How do they all work together? And, and still yet, you're doing this cross-pollination of the skill sets to drive the agenda forward. That's awesome. Uh, Rob, how about at KPMG? I know you guys are right in the middle of a lot of these activities and are seeing a lot of stuff. And sort of give us a state of the state from where you guys sit. Right. So oftentimes, uh, many of our clients tend to be on the business and the mission side. So kind of business mm -hmm. processes that are heavily reliant, as as most most businesses are these days, on, on Those data some heroes form. that Gary talks about. Right. right? Yeah. Te technology enablement. So. We usually start at the at the business process first, and I mean, if you think about it, there's lots of old systems in government, but right, if you've got a 40-year-old system, you probably have 50-year-old processes. <laughs> so the way we look at it is, um, don't just modernize the systems, modern because oftentimes processes were developed because of system limitations and things like that. So, and there's just a lot of inherent sort of out-of-the-box benefits you're going to get from new technology. So, so what we look at is say. You know, what can you get just free because of the, the benefits of new technology, but also what would you do differently? Because oftentimes if you just take a system and say, we're going to replatform it or move it to the cloud, you're still not going to get a lot of the, the native benefits um, of a cloud-based system. So oftentimes, and it's more difficult too. So if you have a really complex system in a mainframe or something like that, 
th that's really difficult. So what we do is we plan it out and say, how would you modernize and change your business systems and business processes and modularize that? And so you might have sort of one big mainframe system that'll end up as 10 or 12 modules in, in a future state. Right, sort of broken down into, you know, all the way down into microservices, et cetera, and really right. take advantage of this new technology. That's fantastic. Beth, how about at GSA? There's a lot of activity going over there. You guys are cross-servicing. You're building organically some of your own environments. You're delivering COEs. Uh, give us the state of the state at GSA these days. Yeah, so, I mean, so it's actually an exciting place to be. Uh, we really take it seriously that we want to lead government on, on how technology can be um, advantageous to the business and make sure that we are being as effective and efficient as possible and try to run GSA as close to a business as possible. Uh, that's being done on a couple of different fronts, as you said. We're very happy that we've been able to launch things such as login.gov and cloud.gov that other federal agencies are being able to use to be able to modernize their capabilities uh, and then internally, we're actually very happy that, for example, just like Gary said, we have no data centers. We've closed all 120 uh, of our data centers, wow. and which resulted in about a $26 million uh, savings that we have at this point. We have really accelerated and, and looked at what we could do for cloud internally and, and moved many not only of our business systems, but mission systems to the cloud already. And we're now looking at that next level uh, of cloud adoption. We also have actually uh, rationalized all of our help desks so that we actually consolidated our help desk capabilities and then modernized those as well. And we're now looking at the next step of how we really take that next leap into the user experience, making it similar to what you would do at home. How are you using kind of um, little vignettes to learn? How do you make sure that you're having the right kinds of mechanisms that you would want to interface with? So we want to make sure that we're looking at this from all parameters. How we accelerate our cloud adoption? How do we make sure that we aren't investing in infrastructure if we don't need to? How are we improving that customer experience? And how are we making sure that we're looking at the rationalization of our applications and, and really investing in not the technology of yesterday, but the technology of tomorrow? And that is really where we're starting our artificial intelligence. We have a number of pilots that are happening in that arena. And we're actually also looking at NS NASA and others that have kind of done this journey as well and, and doing lessons learned between the two of us so that we can accelerate uh, into that arena because we know we're going to need them for buildings, we're going to need them for cars, and we're going to need them for our technology. Yeah, and it's an interesting phenomenon. There's a lot of muscle movements going on at the same time there. And, and it's you know two things. You're, you're, you're adopting new technologies and sort of uh, modernizing in a modern way, but you're also acquiring in a modern way, in a different kind of way, you know, buying as a service versus... Uh, you know, uh, Lego blocking the thing together, et cetera. Uh, Eon, how about over at uh, Software AG? You know, you guys are right in the middle of a lot of this technology there um, that uh, is, is enabling a lot of these capabilities to happen. What are you seeing out there? Well, I think it's an exciting time. I think there's a lot of progress being made across uh, all of government, and, and uh, we're seeing government agencies, you know, modernize in a more modern way, I think is, is, is the yeah. thing that's exciting for us. And, and part of that is leveraging commercial best practices. And I, I think Beth was talking quite a bit about that and some of the activity at GSA. And really GSA has been helpful in, in encouraging agencies through initiatives like TBM or technology business management to really apply, um, uh, you know, uh, analysis to IT assets and investments through the lens of business capability. And that's really what we're at the forefront of. And I think what we've seen is we've seen a number of agencies 
take a, a good steps of, of establishing sort of their as-is um, architecture and, and technology, and we're helping drive the cost and the time out of uh, modeling to be uh, state for IT architecture. So helping prioritize uh, cloud migration efforts, really understanding from a business perspective what what should be the the best uh, programs to modernize. And so we're basically enabling data-driven decisions for our CIOs, CFOs, chief enterprise architects, because there's a finite set of uh, funding in many instances for these agencies. And so taking the risk out of which programs uh, they, they choose to modernize, that's an area that we're really helping our government yeah, and customers I mean, it's with. It's perfect timing for TBM to come along, right? And it's a big equation about, you know, you know uh, making a decision based on real cost versus what it's going to cost in this environment, what it's going to cost in that environment, and basing it on, you know, the level of risk, right? You know, is this a high-value asset, et cetera? So important to be able to do that and deal with facts, right? So it's very good timing for that to be introduced into the federal ecosystem. I think uh, it's fantastic to see that uh, being incorporated. Uh, Bill, how about down at uh, Fortinet? How are you guys doing in regards to sort of what you're seeing out there enabling this uh, this uh, community on this journey. Well, this is a this is a challenge that uh, that our organization sees across uh, across the globe. Uh, this this pivot to uh, cloud resources, uh, trying to provide a, a higher level of uh, efficiency uh, as well as capability uh, as as this modernization effort moves forward. Uh, so we we approach it from a, a couple of different fronts. Uh, one of those is this continual evolution of uh, our technology in support of uh, securing uh, the various capabilities and in support of the missions that, that the agencies that we deal with uh, bring to bear. Uh, and also that pivot to the cloud. Uh, that's that's an incredibly uh, important part. Um, as, was, as was discussed earlier, the, um, the concept is not just taking the workloads as they exist today and putting them uh, on cloud-based resources. It's also re-architecting them from the ground up. You talked about micro-segmentation uh, and some of the potential security challenges that go around uh, that particular concept. Uh, so we're pivoting a bit from uh, still, still having some concentration on our, um, our hardware-based systems, but also delivering uh, cloud virtual offerings uh, that can take that same set of capabilities and bring them at different scales uh, and positions uh, within the architecture as it continues to uh, grow and, and change. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see this mastery of sort of, you know, start with a lift and shift, and then we're into refactoring, which we're taking advantage of some of the organic services that are available, then to a full organic build into these native cloud environments to take advantage of those native uh, microservices that are available in the cloud, uh, et cetera. Well, let's move on to, I always like to, to cite a specific program. I'm going to ask Max, you to start here. Just give us a, a one example of a program that you guys are doubling down on that's really making a difference in energy and sort of maybe across the energy sector there. Well, sure, a great example for us. So we, I mentioned we built out uh, something called Big Data Platform, um, and it's a cybersecurity-focused platform. Um, it's open source, actually came out of uh, uh, defense, Wow. Um, a number of folks over there are using it. It's, a, it's essentially a cloud-native platform for hosting um, our cybersecurity information. And we did it for, for, for many reasons, frankly. Um, but, and it was, it was a real stretch for us. We had not 
you know, at the, again, the headquarters level, we had never built anything to go straight out into the cloud, but that's what we did. Um, and so it's already having impact for us to start, as we're now being able to start migrating a lot of the cybersecurity data that we have up there to start doing analytics. It's going to give us the ability to build new analytics, to use even some of the capabilities our labs have on you know, machine learning and as we move into AI to bring those analytics. And so we can bring that capability to that data in the cloud. And again, if you think about the distributed environment we have, the idea that we would just stick all that data on-prem somewhere, we simply wouldn't be able to keep up. We already weren't. And so that was really a very fundamental change for us. And it's, it's a tool we're actually going to be leveraging not only for protecting the department and, and our security and our data, uh, but it's one we're already looking to leverage to do some of the work that we do with the sector um, as well. Right. I mean, as soon as you bring that into that type of environment, not only can you store it all, but now you have the ability to compute all that massive data, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, Ian, how about at KPMG? Give us an example of sort of what you're seeing out there in regards to a specific program. That's well, I, think, a, I mean, one example of a, of a great program um, that we've supported over time and actually is, is a, um, a recipient of the TMF funds is FHA. So, I mean, there's some parts of FHA, I mean, they've been at this for, for almost 10 years now, sort of with the mortgage crisis and things like that, modernizing their systems and processes. But, I mean, there's some parts of FHA that have completely modernized their, enti their entire system and process portfolio. So, mm -hmm. I think, you know, they, they've still got um, a, w a ways to go just because it's such a big, such a big problem. But I would say there, there's some, some areas within FHA under their mortgage risk and fraud initiatives that have really made a lot of progress. Fantastic. Um, Beth, how about at GSA? Give us a specific example of a program that... Uh, yes, yeah. I'll give you an example of one that we did and one we're getting ready to do. So for us, um, while the technology is is really what we want to achieve, it's the methodology by which we get there. So one of the things that we've really been adopting is a true DevSecOps, taking kind of Agile to that next level and making sure that we have the security built in from the get-go and having those integrated teams that can move um, through that process more quickly. And we actually use that um, through a number of our projects, but one of them recently that was significant was our HR modernization. So we actually implemented a new HR system called HR Links that does our, our, our time in attendance and our position descriptions and our uh, the, the workflows that we need to do around that. And we were actually able to do that very quickly uh, with little risk to the agency. We're actually taking that same methodology as we look at our TMF funding that we have for our application rationalization and database modernization that we're getting ready to undertake. And we have three pilots that'll happen this year. And we'll use that same DevSecOps methodology to make sure that we are taking little pieces at a time and being able to move those through to success and learn from them before we go to the next job. Fantastic. GSA is on the move. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Disruption waits for no one. So what exactly are you waiting for? At KPMG, we help government agencies embrace new technologies and implement agile operations to meet the needs of a rapidly changing world. We help organizations advance in areas like digital transformation, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and much more. It's time to turn today's challenges into tomorrow's opportunities. Become future ready with KPMG. Visit futureadygovernment.com. Why do government professionals need to understand the science of cybersecurity? 
because their adversaries do. Top rated by independent cybersecurity experts, Fortinet focuses on speed and effectiveness to ensure agencies can rely on seamless, integrated, and intelligently automated security solutions. At Fortinet Federal, our goals match yours. Improve enterprise security, reduce complexity, and optimize resources. Trust Fortinet Federal to advance the science of cybersecurity in your agency. Learn more at FortinetFederal.com. When it comes to IT integration, no one does it better than Software AG. Software AG's Web Methods platform is the number one integration platform in the world. They enable government agencies to securely connect, build, and transform everything in the cloud and on-premises. The mandate for the government is clear, integration and modernization of IT. Learn why the most sophisticated organizations on the planet turn to Software AG to tackle their toughest integration problems. Visit softwareaggov.com. That's softwareaggov.com. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. With me on today's show are Gary Washington, USDA, Max Everett, Department of Energy, Beth Kaloran with GSA, Rob Dower with KPMG, Bill Lemons with Fortinet, and Ian Thompson with Software AG. We were talking about specific programs. Bill, let me throw it down to you over there at Fortinet and give us an example of a specific program that uh, you guys have uh, uh, seen implement, been a part of implementing that uh, you'd like to highlight. We've been working with our partners mm -hmm. to deliver uh, managed services uh, for, our, for the various uh, agency uh, organizations. Uh, and uh, as, as the uh, security service uh, uh, continues to move through this, this modernization effort, uh, we've been uh, providing and exposing uh, some additional uh, capabilities from a uh, programmatic perspective, uh, so that so that they can leverage that uh, for a, an integrated and, and automated approach to uh, various activities associated with uh, with their agency missions. And um, uh, I imagine that's got a significant impact uh, across the uh, those agencies in respect to you know just the uh, that type of technology being inserted into that environment. Yeah, it's trying to make sure that we can uh, bridge that gap between uh, hardware-based platforms within their traditional infrastructures uh, as that migrates out to uh, the cloud and provide a, a pervasive and, and common interface uh, so, that, so that that framework can extend uh, across those boundaries. Sure. Uh, Gary, how about over at USDA? Uh, can you give us a specific program that you guys... Uh, uh, have uh, implemented or in the process of implementing that you know is going to make a big difference or has made a big difference? Well, I mean, our leadership uh, wants USDA to be the, the most well-managed, effective agency in the federal government. So to do that, we've created a customer experience program. There's an office of customer experience, but within the COEs, we've, we have a uh, customer experience COE. And so what we've been really focusing on is uh, bringing business value through IT to our farm, farmers, ranchers, foresters, and scientists in USDA. So through uh, activities such as Farmers.gov, uh, implementing the WIP program, um, this year we will um, ha have, uh, be able to have farmers view their loans online, pay their loans online, those kinds of things, making the experience that they have with USDA better than one that they have at home. You know, and basically having do everything, eliminate the manual processes mm -hmm. and make it a pleasurable experience, you know, to to interact with us. It's not just for our employees, but our stakeholders and our and our customers as well. And that is intertwined 
with uh, our contact center activities, and, and we're implementing this uh, voice of the customer solution that allowed customers to provide feedback to our leadership in terms of uh, you know suggestions, how they feel, things that are going on. And what we envision is you know through these processes, we're going to introduce artificial intelligence, robotic process automation to enhance that experience as well. And when you say customers, that's both external customers, obviously the farmers, et cetera, yes. the folks that are using those goods and services. And I would imagine internal as well. I mean, how many yeah, absolutely. USDA employees are there? We have approximately 100,000 uh, USDA employees internally. Wow. So, you know, I would imagine that's a big voice of the customer as well, Absolutely. Right? We have uh, offices in every county in the United States. and. Um, we have an international presence as well. Right, you guys have like a foreign service officer corps. A foreign right? agricultural service. Right, yeah. that a lot of people don't realize, mm -hmm. that, uh, which is a big footprint out there across the, uh, the globe, right? Yes. At this point. Um, uh, and it sounds like some of those modernizing techniques are very similar to what happened at FHA, right? Uh, it sounds like a, a very similar type of situation there. I think it is. Um, I mean, some of, the, some of the systems that FHA have, you know, support major parts of the U.S. economy with the mortgage loans and things like that. And so there are people in mortgage banks every day, you know, thousands of people logging into these systems that are supporting first-time and minority homeowners. So it's, you know, it, it, it directly connects to a, a really major part of uh, American uh, society. Yeah, I mean, right smack in the middle of, you know, the American dream, if you will, right? Ian, how about at, uh, at Software AG? Uh, well, give us an example of a program there that... Uh, you're kind of seeing, you know, that's uh, really making a difference as far as uh, modernizing uh, the community. Sure. I think uh, we have a, a few great examples, but it, it really starts with our customers recognizing that IT modernization is not, not an end state. There's no, like, end game to it. And, and uh, the example that, that I'd like to share is, you know, we had a customer that initially uh, was approaching um, IT uh, modernization uh, from a cost showback perspective, they wanted the business to understand what IT investments were supporting um, their business from a cost perspective, and, and, and that was the baseline that they wanted to put in place. And uh, so they did some things, some of the blocking and tackling, normalizing the data, making it easier to gather current information from their stakeholders, and then uh, putting this data in a dynamic repository and, and the success story really wasn't that. It was a new CIO came into the organization and, and wanted to look at, instead of a cost showback type of model, they, he, he wanted to assess IT assets through the lens of customer experience. So how are my constituents traversing the IT landscape? And so what, what can we do to better deliver value uh, from an IT perspective in support of the mission? And, and thankfully, the customer had the foresight to, 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 to lay down this baseline. And instead of having to spend six months going back to gather more information before they could answer the new CIO's question, they were able to pivot, use the data that they had, and, and basically create dashboards to show uh, IT assets through the lens of the business. And uh, that was a big success uh, uh, for, uh, for the customer. And I think the customer views it as, as um, 
they're going to be able to uh, dramatically improve their IT modernization efforts now because they are going to be so much more agile and be able to pivot to to uh, you know whatever might emerge uh, uh, in the future for, I mean, that's for their business. Capability is really powerful. You can have those meaningful conversations with your your business customers about you know uh, how much it actually costs, why it costs that. It's benchmarked against uh, you know a community to to, to show uh, comparisons, and you can make good choices. And I think that's really important. We're gonna we're gonna uh, pivot over into lessons learned, right? As we plow forward and. And you guys are at the, many of you at the forefront here, you're, you're blazing a trail, you're discovering, you're learning, you're adjusting. And I always like to use this moment to, uh, to communicate uh, uh, lessons learned for the community so that uh, we, can, we don't have to sort of rediscover that, right? Beth, let's start with you over at GSA. Give us some lessons learned as you guys have sort of been on this journey, right? You've uh, readjusted, you've accelerated, et cetera. Uh, what are some lessons learned that the community ought to be thinking about as they move on this journey as well? So I think for us, uh, one of the big lessons learned we have is, is that technology isn't usually the challenge. It's the change management aspect, right? And so being able to communicate with a variety of stakeholders, especially the business, demonstrate the value to them up front, continue to communicate with them, having those agile teams, making sure that they are prepared for that change, having a very clear roadmap of where you are now and where you're trying to get to and have them understand what their role in, in that roadmap is and what they're going to get out of that investment really helps because the change management aspect for us um, it was one of the best lessons learned of how to make sure that we have that understanding and a robust mechanism to have continual and, and very collaborative communication with the, the 360 stakeholders which means customers both internally and externally, because as GSA is a shared service provider, we need to make sure that we understand what the federal government wants. Uh, that would also be stakeholders such as, you know, making sure that we really understand and are in alignment with the president's management agenda and showing how we're making that demonstrated progress in some of those key areas that we want to accomplish. Making sure that we understand, you know, what the folks in legislative and oversight organizations will be looking at so that we make sure that we're building those types of things in and don't have pitfalls and having to pivot later in the process. So for, for us, one, I think one of the best lessons learned is to really understand, you know, the totality of the environment by which you're going to make this technological change, your, your 360 of customers, how to communicate, and making sure you have that roadmap that clearly shows everyone where you're going and have that buy-in all the way through what the process. You're deliver, in some cases, what you're not going to deliver, right? right? So there's a, a common understanding about that. Bill, how about at Fortinet? Uh, some lessons learned of what you're seeing out there that uh, people ought to be avoiding. Yeah, so I think uh, Beth brings up some good points with regards to um, uh, taking taking technology and and not just not just introducing it for technology's sake, but ensuring that there is a great deal of a, a tie of that technology to to the mission or the activities that you're trying to, to, to bring forward um, and, and ensuring that you have uh, solid processes around the incorporation of that technology uh, so that it can truly deliver uh, both on the, the needs of the agency and organization uh, as well as provide uh, an enhanced user experience uh, as well. Well, we need to we need to continually put a put a focus on the users, whether that's 
whether that's the uh, constituents that the agency supports or whether it's the people within the agency itself, making sure that whatever security processes we put in place uh, are not a burden. Right. They, they need right. to be uh, they, they need to be very uh, flexible and intuitive, if you will, uh, so that so that it encourages them to follow those policies as they move forward. Absolutely. You know, stay focused on are you delivering to that uh, to that constituent, to that uh, community. Max, how about a DOE? How about some lessons learned there? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're rocket science. I, I, I would share three of them, though. Um, one of them, and knowing a little about uh, GSA leadership and, and certainly over at USDA, um, leadership support is critical. So I, I think it, it, I would say at all our agencies, from the administrator and secretaries down, the leadership has been there, and without that... It's been very impressive <clears throat> to see that. It doesn't go unnoticed. And so I think that, honestly, that that's... And again, that's public-private sector. It doesn't matter. If, if that's not there, it's not going to happen. The second one, I think Ian kind of touched on before, which is the the alignment, you know, and everybody's talked about in a way, the alignment to the customer and, you know, whether you're using TBM, whatever you're using to show value to the leadership of this is why we're moving here because we can show the alignment of value to the mission and the organization... Uh, I think that's really critical. And the third one I would say that, that I've seen energy is is just move, just get something done. Um, inertia is obviously our enemy for a lot of us in federal government. I've, I've had a lot of, you know, listen, and, and again, you know, cloud's an example, but, you know, for us moving from a service provider to a service broker model, uh, right, which is a mindset change for how we're doing IT services, big demand services, even going to shared services Frankly, you have to look completely differently than just building a mission system. And I've had people flatly tell me in the department, well, you know, the department's not ready to go to cloud. We can't do, we're not ready to do service broker. And part of my answer is, well, they're right. You know what, they're right. And I, and I don't want to underestimate the workforce requirements, the governance requirements and things, say, to go to cloud. I don't want to underestimate those. But in my mind, I've told people, for me, it's a little like, it's like having kids. If you've had kids, you realize you are not ready to have kids. No one has ever been ready to have kids. And to be perfectly frank, movement of cloud is a little the same thing. If you're going to wait until you're ready, right. you know, you're not right. going to do it. Right. And At some so, point, you've got to jump in the deep end and just yeah. start swimming. And so, you know, again, and it doesn't mean you just do a lift and shift just to do it. But what it does mean is you, you have to move even if it's those little things to start the momentum. And I think it's great because there is a community out there, right, that's learning from each other and discovering and leveraging each other. I think that's fantastic. Ian, how about, uh, uh, you know, you're sort of across that landscape. Maybe a lesson learned on what you're seeing some agencies do that didn't work well, you know, as they get on this journey that others should think about because it sounded good, it should have been right, but just doesn't work. Yeah, so... so, I, th- I think I think the the, th- the thing that maybe it just doesn't work is um, is when you take a static approach. So so again, uh, uh, you know, you 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 there's an immediate opportunity to drive the cost out of gathering the data to make the data more effective and and to basically reduce the time that it takes to get insight into your uh, current state. And, and the mistake that, that I go, well, I don't know if it's a mistake, but, but the, the path that some uh, agencies have been on is to do that on a one-off basis. So it's, there's, a, there's a data gathering effort, and then there's a report that gets created. And then almost as soon as that report is created, it's already out of date. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, that's what I really see 
as as uh, the the opportunity to kind of drive cost and time and improve effectiveness out of developing a framework to make better decisions. And then the the value is that it can have an immediate impact on cloud migration uh, strategies, prioritizing investments, and being able to align IT with business strategies, even if those business strategies change, right? And uh, so, so um, I think I think the danger is if you if you take an approach of doing that sort of every year, we're going to do this static data call. Um, you you don't put yourself in a position to 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 be able to uh, uh, manage your IT investments and align to the business strategy. So, and, and sort of have that real-time data flow uh, so that you're current. Uh, Gary, um, I'm sure you, know, you guys were out of the box kind of early. You made some big muscle movement uh, activities. You're using the COEs, et cetera. Uh, as these other agencies kind of go on this journey, what are some lessons learned that you'd like to impart on them that they ought to think about and uh, make sure they do more of this, less of that, whatever the case may I, be. I, I don't think you can assume that everybody understands, you know, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a lot of communication that goes into this uh, at every level from the top down. Right. Um, I think uh, Max brought up a great point about the leadership. Um, you have to take a lot of time to, you know, prepare the leadership and have open, honest, transparent conversations about expectations and how you're going to do things. Um, you know, and this needs, I would tell agencies that this has to be a business-driven activity and conversation because at the end of the day, they want to know what is the business value they're going to get out of these activities. And sure. it, it cannot be a technology conversation. You can't lead with technology. And something that we're dealing with right now is you really need to think about preparing your workforce for this new environment. Um, you know, USDA is going to look uh, a lot different than it looked before the COEs came. Mm-hmm. So we have to, we're thinking right now about, you know, how do we, you know, make that transition to, you know, having people understand and be a part of the implementation of robotic process automation? You know, what is their role in artificial intelligence? You know, how do we introduce blockchain into USDA uh, in some of our program areas, those kinds of things. And um, finally, I would say this whole experience has uh strengthen the relationship between the CIO, the Chico, the CFO, the procurement executive, and the budget director, because we've all had to work together on this activity. So it's not just about IT. You know, it's about the CXOs and, and the whole leadership team working together. It's a real community effort, right? Community I mean, effort, you, yeah. you can't, you know, I used to say, you know, that, look, I don't have the authority to hire a single person in my organization. I don't have the authority to buy anything. This is a, you know, there's got to be goal congruence on the journey of enabling the mission, right? That's what we're doing here. We're not modernizing. We're enabling USDA. But I would also say don't underestimate the culture in your agency. Sure. Yeah, because that, that's a big part of this as well. All right. Well, we're going to take another short break and uh, we'll be right back. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Why do government professionals need to understand the science of cybersecurity? Because their adversaries do. Top rated by independent cybersecurity experts, Fortinet focuses on speed and effectiveness to ensure agencies can rely on seamless, integrated, and intelligently automated security solutions. At Fortinet Federal, our goals match yours. Improve enterprise security, reduce complexity, and optimize resources. Trust Fortinet Federal to advance the science of cybersecurity in your agency. Learn more at FortinetFederal.com. 
When it comes to IT integration, no one does it better than Software AG. Software AG's Web Methods platform is the number one integration platform in the world. They enable government agencies to securely connect, build, and transform everything in the cloud and on-premises. The mandate for the government is clear, integration and modernization of IT. Learn why the most sophisticated organizations on the planet turn to Software AG to tackle their toughest integration problems. Visit softwareaggov.com. That's softwareaggov.com. Disruption waits for no one. So what exactly are you waiting for? At KPMG, we help government agencies embrace new technologies and implement agile operations to meet the needs of a rapidly changing world. We help organizations advance in areas like digital transformation, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and much more. It's time to turn today's challenges into tomorrow's opportunities. Become future ready with KPMG. Visit futureadygovernment.com. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. With me on today's show are Gary Washington, USDA, Max Everett, Department of Energy, Beth Kaloran, GSA, Rob Dwyer, KPMG, Bill Lemons, Fortinet, and Eon Thompson with Software AG. We were just wrapping up our discussion around lessons learned, and let me throw it down to KPMG, Rob. Uh, give us a lesson learned that you're seeing out there. Maybe a positive that's going on that people ought to know or something they ought to avoid. Sure. Well, one thing that, that we think is really important, and Beth mentioned it earlier, is, and it sounds really basic, but have a roadmap, right? So start start with a plan that, that integrates the business capabilities that you're trying to deploy, the new technology that you're trying to roll out, phased with time, because often there, there are business capabilities and also technology deployments that are dependent on one another, and things take a long time. Um, so if you, if you have a roadmap, you, you, can, you can prioritize things, um, and also, we, you know, we live in an uncertain world, right? Funding profiles change. Sometimes you get access to funding. Sometimes you lose funding. So if you have a plan, you, you can change it. And what we've seen is it's kind of like he, he who has the plan or the person with the plan wins, right? So if, if you're in the middle of the year, if you're at the end of the year and you get access to funding, it's not just give me some money and I'll figure out what to do with it. It's, hey, this is the next business capability we need to deploy. We're ready to go. Um, and that, that tends to help a lot. And we've had clients... Um, you know, looking back on it years later, we're like, oh, wow, they actually executed their entire plan. Now, it changes, um, but, but, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Sure. So, and then I would also say um, a stable target architecture, um, sometimes um, with changing administrations and things like that, um, it, it can confuse sort of a long-term business or um, technology modernization if, if the major sort of underpinnings change right or we you know what's Important what's the target platform there on the yeah. uh, both the architecture have a plan have yeah. a playbook but at the end of the day you got to be able to play pick up basketball and then what i would um, also say is i mean a lot of uh, a lot of government systems are kind of the only system in sure. existence right yep. um, they're they're very unique so i mean we hear a lot about the value of cots and things like that mm -hmm. which i think is important but also uh, you know, if, if you're going to use a COTS product and, and highly modify it and customize it, you're, you're really stripping away a lot of the benefits. Yep. You're locking in a vendor and you're going to have to pay those licensing costs. So at that time, maybe just look into an open systems development. Sure. Well, let's roll over into major challenges. Let's start with Gary. 
Give us sort of that top one or two challenges that you're, you know, sort of uh, looking to overcome as you, you, you move on this modernization journey. Well, uh, one of the uh, major challenges that we have is modernization is great, and we're doing this at an aggressive pace. But, you know, we have to also think about how you retire all of the legacy mm-hmm. systems, and, you know, which will help you show your return on investment once they're gone. You, and you, as the panel knows, you know, a lot of people have invested a lot of time and energy into developing these. And they're not going to give them up. Right. You know, they're going to kick it. There's a lot of passion around oh, it. Yeah. So, you know, how, how do you retire the legacy and not just add on additional cost? And uh, another challenge for us is trying to condition our IT workforce to uh, think about how do you deliver IT services and, and goods in a, in a different way. Rather than, than the way we're doing it now, we have these, you know, some of these monolithic systems, you know, Delivering services from the cloud is, is a lot different than what, you know, what we're doing now, you know. Yeah. Uh, so tr- those are the, the two major challenges that we have to overcome. And we have to show, continue to show value, right. you know, even after this is over with. And this is not going to stop when the COEs leave, you know. We need to continue to build upon what we've developed and, and implemented. Right, got to be respectful for that environment yes. and be delicate about that. But moving to this next journey... Uh, Max, how about over at DOE? Uh, challenges so there. Internally, uh, Gary already hit one, which you know what I just call technical debt. Sure. Right. Which you 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 know, and so you if you're trying to buy a house, go move into a nicer house. It's hard to save up for that down payment when you're 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 paying off a lot of loans and credit cards, and mm-hmm. that's what technical debt really represents is how we get out from under that. Um, I think the second part of that really goes to the workforce skills and and, and expectations. Um, again, as I talked about that idea of moving to a service broker model, uh, moving to managed services. Most of us in government are not doing that. Most, even in private sector, people have a real challenge properly managing a managed services contract, right? Which means understanding your own requirements and deliverables, documenting them properly. That, that, that's a significant challenge. And I think just externally, certainly for all of us in federal government, um, I, I think we have not done a good job as a government of Overall, when you look at life cycle planning for broad life cycle planning for our systems, um, I, I think there's got to be a lot of improvement from procurement uh, and acquisition all the way over to the appropriations and budget process. Without that, it's virtually impossible for most of us to really do the kind of long-term life cycle planning that you know most of our colleagues in the private sector, you know, not everybody in the private sector is perfect either, but they typically have a lot more at least ability to try and build those longer-term life cycle plans for holistically sure. for all their systems together. And, that, and we don't necessarily have that in government, and that, that's a thing that's got to get changed, and it's going to take a lot of different groups to do it. Transitioning to smart buyers, not easy to do, is it, Beth? Give us one challenge, major challenge. So I will say, in addition to the, to the ones that we just heard, um, it's kind of twofold. So one is, is the fact that we are trying to do all of this new technology and the security threats and things that are happening evolve every single day. And so that particular um, thread of security and what's going to happen and how um, those adversaries are going to come at us, we are always one step behind And how do we try to pivot technology to at least keep pace with that. And as we're putting solutions in, making sure that they're um, agile enough to make those challenges and, and, and 
uh, be able to pivot as we know the different things that are happening. Because the challenge of today from a cyber perspective and how they're coming at us is not going to be the same one that happens right. a year from now. resiliency into those Correct. environments so when it does come, you know, you can uh, you have some survivability. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We've got about 11 minutes and change, and we're going to talk about the vision. And just sort of paint a picture of, you know, what does the future look like uh, when, when you, you sort of looking over the horizon. Bill, let's start with you down at Fortinet. So um, Beth mentioned a, a good challenge, and that is the, the, the people. Um, and how do, you, how do you take that into consideration? Uh, we, the, the landscape is changing as far as the attack vectors that people are using. They're getting more sophisticated. Um, the talent pool is very small. You need to be able to uh, build an environment that can, that can scale uh, to the challenges that, that come and do it with a relatively constrained workforce. Um, so today the approach is more on the front of integration and automation to help on that front. But it's still looking at security as an overlay, um, a blanket or a fabric, if you will. I think, it, I think it needs to move to the next level of creating uh, this mindset of, uh, of almost security as DNA. It, it needs to be inherent in the skill set that the people that you hire at every position, whether they're security analysts or whether they're performing your mission activities. It needs to be within their DNA to think about security. It needs to be in the systems that are built within the cloud or within a private data center. It needs to be within the hardware that makes up the infrastructure itself. It needs to be a coordinated effort moving forward so that we can, we can scale and address those issues long term. Security embedded, security is DNA. Ian, uh, how about at Software AG? What does the future look like? Well, I think, uh, I think we're, we're on the path to the future, and, and Gary and Max both uh, brought it up. But, but what I see is, I see through, through some of this IT modernization efforts and, and, and taking a more data-driven approach, you're going to see IT and, and the business uh, users uh, develop a much closer partnership. And IT is going to be per- perceived as adding real value to the business versus uh, unnecessary evil. And, 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 and the way that that's going to happen is, you know, there's going to be... Um, better uh, decision-making around rationalizing applications, uh, delivering um, uh, value to the business. Um, and, and I think what you're going to see is that IT is going to be uh, more nimble in adjusting to IT, uh, to business strategies. And one of the areas that I think about is, and again, it's, it's not a final state, but one of the areas I think about is, um, especially in the case of energy, is, you know, Internet of Things, and and 5G um, networks, particularly in the ener- in the actual energy space. And so, h- how does IT? I think what you'll see in the future is IT will partner with the business to to deliver uh, value and to deliver technology that uh, supports their mission in in a more nimble way. So nimble, uh, quick, and easy, and 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 very precise uh, because of uh, much more accurate data. Uh, Beth, how about at GSA? What is GSA going to look like in three years? So I think for our organization, I think that you're going to see two things. One is the acceleration of those shared services, really trying to be that premier service provider for across the federal government and how to make sure that we're building on the success of the federal acquisition service 
and the public building service to really show, you know, th- things like we're doing with the COEs and 18F of really how to take what we've learned from technology and get into those agencies and accelerate their adoption of new technology. I think that's one. I think the second one is is that you know as we start moving more into the artificial intelligence realm, we've already started you know just in some pilots. A couple of our pilots have shown significant decrease in hours. Uh, one almost ten thousand hours. We think we're going to save in labor just to be able to run that one bot. Wow. And I think that as we move into that pl- those platforms, what we really will see is so what we were talking about is being able to shift some of our folks and be able to reskill them and get them into this out of the data administrative and uh, being able to data keying things in and actually moving into high value work, be more strategic in what they're thinking and being add, add more business value versus data entry. And so I think that you're gonna see a rapid acceleration of some of these artificial intelligence platforms so that we can make that shift and be able to be more responsive to the mission. Yeah, and a lot of people you know, seem to be concerned about robotics automation. And I said, yeah, it just takes the robot out of the individual and allows them you know, to move up the, the value chain, right? And I think that's really awesome. 10,000 hours, that's, that's a big deal. Um, uh, Rob, how about over uh, at KPMG, what do you see as far as the future? Well, I mean, I, th- I think what our um, what the what the federal CIOs who are leading these technology modernization initiatives they're really enabling their customers to get new capabilities that really kind of um, resemble the best of commercial platform businesses. So, uh, I think the future is <coughs> processes that are centered around the customer experience from end to end, and it doesn't have to be a citizen, right? It could be another, it could be a business, it could be another government entity. Um, that's based in the cloud for <clears throat> scalability and broad access uh, and, and interaction with other, other systems. And then can, in real time or near real time, use the, the digital exhaust and all the data that is produced as part of any process to make better decisions. I mean, as, as Ian was saying, a lot of times it's, it's a data call, it's once a year, and that's just not sufficient anymore for decision making. So I think taking advantage of, of the data that is produced every day throughout these business processes and then using advanced data analytics, uh, RPA, intelligent automation, things like that to make better decisions and support uh, everybody's customers better. Do it in a real-time automated type fashion, right? And get down to these really fine-grained uh, types of capabilities is gonna yeah. be fantastic. I mean, I'm just amazed at what we're gonna be able to do with AI. Uh, particularly with all the data we're collecting. Max, how about at DOE? Tell well, us what, you know, what does the Department of Energy look like in three years? What does the sector look like in three years? Well, I think a lot of it's what we've talked about, which is, everybody's kind of already hit on, which is part of our goal is to have a broader integrated digital platform. Our labs and other folks create, you know, enormous amounts of data um, that we can make some pretty tremendous use of. And of course, again, many of our labs are doing, you know, some of the most cutting edge research on AI, um, and moving those forward. So we're trying to take you know, these large bodies of data we have, specific business problems, and then how can we quickly, uh, how can we apply AI quickly to those to start to answer those questions and, and draw value out of them? So we're really trying to build those platforms across a distributed department that let us do that. So I think that's what you're gonna see a lot of the next couple of years at the Department of Energy is really that focus on, um, on building out those platforms in a, again, in a meaningful way you know, with some architecture around them so that when you're moving the data across, 
you know, back and forth and just understanding where your data is, that that becomes an easier job. And then we can more quickly apply the lab capabilities to all that data. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about quantum computing, and I know the labs are already sort of, to, do you see that in three years really becoming sort of mainstream, or is that going to be still more of a lab specialized kind that, of? That's probably a whole other panel, but uh-huh. I'll tell you, you know, we, yeah. we got to be careful when we talk about. the whistle for the audience. Yeah, here, when right, we talk you know? about quantum, I think one of the things that I've, you know, I've had to go back and try and really learn some physics I've forgotten from 20 years ago, but yeah, quantum computing is is, is a decent ways away. Uh, now we're already we are actively today right now and things that came out of our labs doing, for example, quantum key exchange, right? So we have an active quantum, you know, we have a quantum network between two of our labs, Argon and Fermi, today. So we're using quantum today right now. But there's, when we talk about quantum, there are a number of things you use from you know, key exchange, other things, all the way up to quantum computing. And quantum computing is, is very different because you're going to need an entire new, you know, essentially program language and vernacular mm-hmm. to make that use of it. So that's farther out. And so people have to be careful when they walk through those. But the great news is, we're, again, our, our labs are using quantum today right now um, and starting to find a place to apply it to security and other missions right now. You heard it right here, USA on the forefront of quantum computing, which I'm glad to hear that. Gary, uh, what 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 does USDA look like? What's the experience for that farmer, uh, you know, in three years, five years, right? Right now they're in their combines, they're doing a little bit of GPS, they're eating some level of intelligence there. You know, fast forward us into that next. uh, I I think uh, USDA will be um, delivering services to our customers in a more modern fashion. You know, um, the, the, the farmer today uh, goes to the service center a, a office in the county, and there may be, uh, you know, a lot of paper that they fill out and everything. Uh, they have opportunities to, to experience the digital experience that we're trying to implement for them or have the option to use that digital experience on the farm or going to the service center. And this data-driven approach that we're using um, is forcing people to really think about the data that they have and cleaning that up and the decisions that are being made on that data. Um, and the, 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 the track that we're going down is forcing our IT profit. The conversation with the IT professionals are going to be different because, you know, artificial intelligence, RPA, uh, we're looking at uh, blockchain in several areas. Um, you know, the, the conversations are more business-driven conversations and not technical conversations. And our community has gotten a lot smarter or more informed about, you know, being able to use technologies. And, and the, the IT professional at some levels don't have to be involved as much because of the way technology has evolved. And I think for all of us, given where we're going, the, the role of the CIO is going to change if it hasn't already in terms of it's very important that we had a seat at the table and have business conversations about, you know, IT. Sure. Well, that's a great place to wrap it up. And I want to thank all the guests for taking the time out of their busy schedules to join us for this program. I really do appreciate that. I'd like to thank our sponsors for Without We Don't Have a Show. I'd like to thank the good people here at the Federal News Network. Uh, that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on the Federal News Network. 
Thank you for listening to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.